What's going on, everybody? I'm BJ, and I'm so excited to introduce a new experience titled Teach Me How to Love You Better. This is a brand new segment of Change the Subject that gives women a platform to express honest, raw, and unfiltered feelings about men. And women are going to love this because men don't get to rebuttal with the disdain, discontent, or even down talking. We actually hear you out. We pay attention. When you speak, we listen and say nothing until you complete your thoughts and expressions. And then BJ, who acts as a representative of the men, will just ask simple and fair questions and even the dumb questions, because here the intent is to learn how to love you better. This first episode is said to feature, but in my opinion, it is also hosted and focused on a young lady. Well, no, a queen by the name of Erica Butler, also known to the podcast world as the brown girl of the brown girl experience. I've been watching as she brands herself as a woman in her prime and in her purpose. Today, she stopped by to discuss identity, which from what she told me in the episode simply just means removing the margins men place on women when we insist that they are all the same. Yes, they are all beautiful. They are all bold. They are creative. They are sassy. They do have smart mouths and some of them are bitter. But even in those things, they are unique in their own way. So listen to Erica and I discuss why identity and womanhood is very important. Ladies, support your sister. If you hear something in this that you don't agree with, constructively criticize, but still in all, support your sister. Fellas, sit back and shut the hell up, because unlike y'all, I need to hear this. And I truly believe that we need to hear this. So again, thank you and welcome to Teach Me How to Love You Better. So today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sitting here with, well, not actually sitting here, but I'm online with a queen by the name of Erica Butler, also known as the Brown Girl. How are you doing this evening? Hey, 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 what's going on? Um, <laughs> I'm doing great. You know, we finally got our first bit of warm weather out here in Jersey, so I'm excited. That's what's up. It's kind of like cold still here in Detroit, so... I'm a little bit jealous, but I know we're on the way to getting some decent weather here as well. But I'm glad to have you today. Um, this is really important to me. One of the, what do you call it? The the babies of a sense um, in my creativity where I wanted to express a genuine desire to learn and possibly communicate better with women. And oh. I just... I just automatically thought you when this um, project came about because I've been kind of following you um online and you know listening to your shows and seeing how you navigate through you know your prime and purpose for life so um just take a few minutes to kind of introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them you know all of what you have going on and the inspiration behind the brown girl experience okay so like you already said it my name is erica i call myself the brown girl um and it's actually a nickname that my dad gave me as a, a little kid because i was the only chocolate one out of all his kids so <laughs> <laughs> so i kind of stuck with it um honestly when i started thinking about what i wanted to do i was like oh oh i'm sorry can i cuss before i get started? yeah absolutely okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, what can I do? Because like my background is HR. So all I literally do is push papers from one side of my desk to another. So I needed a good creative outlet. And 
I always want to do something for black women. And I'm going to tell you why. A lot of times, everybody wants to tell us who we are, how we should act, what we should do, what our reaction should be, um, define us, put us in a box, um, tell our stories for us and everything. And that's exhausting. It's, it's really exhausting living up to everybody else's standards. So I created something for black women. And I created a space for them to tell their stories, to share their experiences, to be unapologetic, to just be dope, and to ultimately take back our narrative. Um, wow. it's, it's not, it's, it's not anybody else's story to tell, but ours. So I wanted to create a platform for black women to tell their stories. Sounds like we in the same business here. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. I really do enjoy how like vulnerable and candid you can be on your platform and how you tell like narratives that people don't often embrace or even engage in like, um, like your battles with the PCOS, which really, you know, touched me personally because I have about four or five women in my family that deal with that. And it's not something common for most people to even know or be um introduced to. So can you kind of like talk about that in a sense? Oh, absolutely. And and I'll talk about it from a sense of a black woman, because right, that's not right. a condition that we are, quote unquote, traditionally have. That's that's really not a condition that most black women get. And so it's one of those things where they don't diagnose it right away or they go ahead and misdiagnose it often. Okay, and okay. it's it's basically a hormonal disorder. So it's common among most women and women of color have probably often, as far as my GYN says, women of color are often misdiagnosed when it comes to this because the symptoms resemble a lot of different things. And the way you can even diagnose it is difficult. You have to basically be in a flare-up in order for a doctor to even see it. And a flare-up includes having actual cysts or, or follicles in your ovaries. And okay. so if okay. they're not doing the, and this is like going real deep in, in uh, TMI with it, but if they're not taking that wand and putting it up in your lady bits, they're not going to be able to tell whether or not you have PCOS in addition oh, to the okay. blood work wow. and everything. Wow. Yeah. So, and it's, it's, it's one of those things where symptom wise, you can go ahead and have anything from periods that don't exist to periods that might last for two, three, four months yeah, at a time. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen that personally. Yeah, and if you're in a dating situation, just having to explain that you can't be intimate because you are always on your period is <laughs> <laughs> it is so hard. And then it's like one of those things like you're always on your period, but you don't know why you're always on your period. And it's the hormones that go along with it. And there's some embarrassing parts that go with it. Like you grow the facial hair. Um, I always joke and say I'm part werewolf. And it's because <laughs> I grow hair everywhere. <laughs> like um, like a, a friend of mine, he, he's a really close friend of mine. And, and he understands what I'm going through. And he knows that I deal with it with humor. And it was like one time we were just like watching TV and then he went to touch my face. I was like, babe, you know, I got five o'clock shadow right now. So, right. <laughs> and he was like, I know he's out trying to exfoliate my fingers. So, <laughs> wow. Wow. So it's like, but it's a communication thing because I, I already put it, put it out there on the table. This is what I deal with and I manage it well. 
Um, you know, and this is the embarrassing parts of it. And so he understood, but having that initial conversation when I was first diagnosed is very hard because there are times that you do have that five o'clock shadow. Right, right. (laughs) Like the money you spend on just getting waxed alone is amazing. Wow, wow. So So it's it's a lot to um to deal with in itself just having um, the issues of trying to handle your home, your hormones and all yes. of the different things that come along with PCOS. So just in general, it seems as though it takes a certain or special kind of individual to deal with all of what comes with the brown girl. Yeah. And this is why I have you here, because I'm so intrigued to know um, what you think would be the best way for men to deal with women who have chronic illnesses, who don't have the opportunities to have the normal cycle. So there's a, there's a possibility that the sexual relationship is altered. Like there are so many things that we can talk about to kind of educate men in this process of learning how to love women a lot better. So um, I guess I can go into the, description of the show um the idea behind teach me how to love you better came to me in the event where I was having a disagreement with my personal partner and the intentions of my personal partner of course are always genuine and always like positive there's never really the intent to be intrusive or to be argumentative it's just something that You know, women feel that men just don't commonly understand. And there was a statement that she made where she told me that instead of me trying to hear, try to listen. Mm. Right. And, you know, I'm I try to be a wordsmith in my, you know, my part time. But that kind of was like a bar for me. You know what I'm saying? So when she said it, I was just like, wow, like, what do you mean? Like, I think. I've been doing a pretty good job of this, but ultimately hearing is just taking in the words that she's saying, but not necessarily listening to the emotion, the vulnerability and the things that she's giving off in the words that she's saying that should communicate her care and concern. So that's what gave me the premise behind teach me how to love you better It's ultimately a space for women to express their raw, vulnerable and honest feelings without a man interrupting um, talking down to or showing disdain for what she's saying is simply to listen, learn and educate. And when you speak, once we get into the actual question of the show, I will be completely silent. I'm going to give you the opportunity to say the things that you would like to say about men, how you feel men should do better, what you hate about men, what you can't stand about a man, everything that it is that you feel, I want to give you the safe space and the comfort to say it, even as a man. And I'm just going to listen. And I am not going to speak until you say, okay, BJ, you can speak now. All right. All right. Every woman's dream. (laughs) Let's go. I'm here for this. (laughs) So, um, again, we're just going to go into um, your part where you tell us how you feel and then I'll ask all of my questions at the very end. Okay. Okay. So the question is, in what way as a woman, do you feel a man could do better by women for not only his own benefit, but as well as the women that they aspire to love? 
So, all right. I think the way I want to address this is the way men can do better is stop applying male logic into female lives. And I'm going to tell you why. At the end of the day, as a woman, I'm definitely going to think different from any man. It's My experiences are different. Um, my emotions are different. How I handle things are different. How I solve my own problems are different. And anytime you try to apply your logic to me, is that's you not trying to understand where I'm coming from. It's basically... And, uh, and this is how I take it and everything. And I think from most women that I, I talk to, this is how they take it also. When you apply male logic into how I run my life, that's basically saying that you don't trust how I run my life and I should be doing it your way. So when that occurs, when it, it's a, starts at like a bumping of the heads, and now it's not one of those things where I'm not listening to you anymore. Now I'm trying to get my point across. Now I'm ready to fight. Like now I'm like, okay, you don't want to respect how I'm doing this. You want to tell me how I should do this. Or you want to do this. You want to do that. Now I am going tit for tat. Now I am fighting instead of being receptive to what you're saying. And so it's one of those things where take your logic out of it and ask more questions. So it, if I can give men one thing, ask more questions so you can understand understand the woman, understand your partner, understand your sister, your mom, um, ask more questions and not from a point of trying to solve their problem, not from the point of trying to have them do things your way and not from the point of talking down to them because you don't think they're doing things correctly, but from the point of trying to understand what they're doing. And once you do that, that puts us women at ease. And now I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm working through my own details, but now I have somebody that's here listening to me and now I'm receptive to your feedback. So... That would be my gem for men. BJ, you can now talk. <laughs> all right. All right. I got a whole lot from um, what you just said. And the funny thing is I'm like super excited because um, the topic that I was going to center around what you said is like totally befitting. I came up with the idea of discussing the similarity that doesn't necessarily mean same. And it, it speaks to how men apply their logic to a woman's experience. And the similarities that we as men encounter with women in our lives tend to place margins on how we view and respect the woman's story, because to us, it does seems or appears to be the same. So I kind of want to talk to you about why it is positive to allow every woman a fair chance at her own identity and not to continue to reduce her to fit what we call male logic. Mm -hmm. So why should we allow women their own identity in your opinion? Okay. So from a black woman point of view, it's one thing that most people don't understand about us. We're double minorities. So we have the whole issue that we have to deal with, with just being black. And then we also have to deal with the issue of being a woman. So when it comes to like all the women's things and feminism and all the girl power, we're not always included in those conversations. 
And then when it comes to being black, you know, we're black and we're in this mix and we're, we are in the struggle right there with our, our men and everything. But sometimes we don't feel as though we're included in those conversations either. Right, right. So it's a struggle of trying to fit in someplace. And so that's why it's very important to let us have our spaces. And, but most important, it's important to let us have our voices. Um, because on the, the women's side, we're not always having our voice. And on the men's side, at some point and some time, um, there became this, this rift between us. And the, the rift was, in my personal opinion, and every woman is going to chop my head off when I say this, is when the whole women's right movement came in. And we just went full swing with that. And then we left the men. And we've been fighting ever since. Wow. And so now wow. we're at the okay. point where we are trying to reconnect with each other. But now I've already experienced independence. I've already experienced having power out in the world. And so now the same woman that left isn't the same woman that's returning. So now you have someone different. Um, I'm in the world. I'm working just like men are working. Um, I'm struggling with racism, just like men used to struggle with racism out in the corporate world. I'm, I'm in that fight with you. I have those experiences with you, but I'm, I'm experiencing it different. Um, I'm making my own money. I have my own careers. I'm starting my own business. I'm educated. So now with all those things on paper, I'm equal to you. And so when it comes back to trying to tell me what to do, it's like, no, I'm not here for that. You can't tell me what to do. But here's the thing. I yearn for your partnership and I need you in the same breath. I just don't know. And when I say I, I'm speaking as in general terms. I need you and I don't know how to tell you how much I need you. And then in my opinion, and this is me talking for me, sometimes I don't feel that I need you back. And and it's almost like I feel like you want a version of me that doesn't exist anymore because now I've had different experiences in life. So now it is very important to let us have these experiences, have these stories, tell these stories, share them with you. So at this point, I, I need to hear how you're doing. You know, what are your experiences life in the world? How are you dealing with? How are you navigating through all of this? Because now we have an exchange. And if we met there in the middle, where I'm my individual person with my own voice, and you came as your individual person with your own voice, and then we can have that respect meet in the middle, and then we can really begin to love each other up again. Wow. That was very descriptive and powerful for me. That really was. Oh, man. Um. Okay, so to go a little bit further into detail, um, considering how us men tend to misunderstand our taste levels from our preferences, um, like, well, no, let me change that because it's probably going to sound like the same thing. Um, we tend to compare our black women to other minorities who don't have um, the equal struggle um, the certain lacks of substance behind them, we always try to undervalue the black woman. And in some instances, you're compared to a person who hasn't endured half of what you've been through. What does being compared to anyone, um, whether it be the white woman, Spanish woman, um, what does that feel like to be compared to somebody who you know 
has not endured any of what you've gone through as a black queen? So here's the thing. Um, I don't downplay anybody's struggle. And so a white woman's struggle is her struggle. And to her, that's the worst thing she's ever had to walk through. I never had experience like that. And to me, it might be a cakewalk, but I don't downplay what she's going through. Same thing with any other woman when it comes to Spanish women, when it comes to Indian women, when it comes to Asian women, like they have their own set of struggles. So I'm like, when it comes to the comparison of why can't you be more docile or why can't you be more submissive? Why can't you be more this like X, Y, and Z or like this culture or like that culture? You don't know what these women have to walk through. You don't right, know right, the, right. the silence that these women had to deal with. But what I'm telling you today as a black woman, I don't really give a shit about their struggle because it really doesn't apply to me. <laughs> so unless you are really here to talk about what I'm going through, you don't have the um, I'm not here to hear you compare me to another woman um, or another culture, because that means right there, you're not here for me right now. You're not here to listen. You're not here to understand. And I'm just not going to waste my kind of energy on that. So, and, and it's one of those things too, where when those comparisons come into play is one of those things where they're trying to pin us against each other. Like I'm all girl power, but at the end of the day, I'm all black girl power first. And then I go other girl power second. <laughs> um, yeah, like I'm, I ride heavy for my sisters, period. And I, I just don't like the whole comparison thing because you, when you compare us, it's like you're trying to big one race up while you're tearing us down. Um, right, and those right, things are right. very damaging. And, uh, I can tell you honestly, the sisters today aren't here for it. And, and that's why, like anytime you start those comparisons, just be prepared for the fight because they're here for it. Like some women are like me and I'll just be like, I'm not going to even waste my energy on the bullshit and I'll just walk away from it. But some women was like, actually I have time today and (laughs) I have all the time today and I'm going to give you all the smoke. So, you know, you gotta be careful who you run up on with that nonsense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, has there ever been a point where you've been compared and you actually appreciated the comparison? Um, no. And, <laughs> no. I figured you was going to say that. Because like the one time somebody compared, it was like um, professionally. They was like, oh, you know how you and, and it was a, a, a black man who was um, he was a VP of a company that I work for. And he was like, he's like, wow, he's like, you really, he's like, you really speak well and you really deal with, um, know how to deal with these people in the room. And he's like, you know, I wouldn't even known over the phone that you were a black woman. Oh, wow. 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 And I was like, bitch. <laughs> so basically you're saying, <laughs> because I am, I'm professional, period, that you automatically assumed that I was not a woman of color. Right, cool. right. Right. We don't need to share oxygen anymore. Um, like, so no, I, it's it's never been a time. Um, not even down to hey, that girl gives good head. No, mm-mm, you give head like a white girl. No, black women been giving head for years. So mm-mm, there's never been. a Oh time. wow, yeah, that is yeah, that's a common thing. It's like yeah. even in that case, like white women are superior in that regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. 
Don't do that, fellas. Guys, here's a free gem. Don't compare what we do sexually to another woman, period. Or you, you run the risk of not getting it again. That's all. Facts. Take your chances. Take your chances. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's a point in even women's exchanges that um, women tend to compare themselves to other women. And maybe it's because us as men, we're not fair in regards to creating these spaces for you to have your own identity and for you to all join together in the same regard to express yourself. Um, Why is it such an emphasis when there is a sense of competition between women to distinguish between a real woman versus the woman that he tends to choose. Like, why is this such a distinction between that woman? Because ultimately I believe even though um, in this instance, she's a competitor. I still believe that there is something realistic about her that this man may just like over another woman. And it, and I don't think that we should allow men to create that like discord intention between women, just because we get picked over each other we get sometimes overlooked. Maybe it's all just a choice, more or less, not so much a preference. Like, is there a point for you where you have to decide for yourself to like even be a bigger person when it comes to another woman? All right. So let me pick this part because that's a loaded question. Um, first thing, a lot of times when it comes to comparisons between women, it's beauty. And okay, okay. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting over a cold, so I apologize. Oh, um, you're fine. It's beauty. And for the longest time, the standard of beauty has been the European standard of beauty. And what comes along with that is women of darker complexion, like myself, were never considered high on that beauty scale, you know, and that put in for, of course, in our culture, it put in the whole thing with the colorism. So now you have, you know, light skin is prettier then you have the good hair, the bad hair. And so that and then you have the red bones and then you have this and then you have, oh, let's not forget, you know, when we have our um, Puerto Rican sisters or our Cuban sisters, or now you have the exotic women. And when it comes to all those different labels that, um, and this is black men and just men in general, and even women, um, when it comes to those labels that describe beauty, we're not in the mix with that. And I think that's why it's been so powerful with the um, Black Girl Magic movement and the Melanated movement is because now we are literally taking a step to celebrate ourselves and stop putting us in competition of ourselves, you know, um, and it's still, we're still going to suffer from the issues of colorism. It's not something that's going to die anytime soon. Um, so that that's the part when it comes to women having to compete with other women. Um, and it, it really does fall on the beauty lines. And then once you, once we started taking that step of celebrating ourselves and celebrating our beauty, and now you start seeing things like, oh, I see you, sis, or oh, I see you, oh, melanin is popping. Now you're seeing those type of positive things put towards each other. Right, right, right. But then when it comes along the lines of, of men and their preferences, um, here's the thing, girls. And I'm talking to the sisters right now. Here's the thing. 
a man's preference isn't really your business if it's not your prefer if it's not if you're not his preference. He will probably say anything to let you know that you're not good enough for his standards or his preferences because you're not the kind of woman he's looking for. And if that's the case, it's none of your business and just keep on moving, girl, to somebody whose preference you are. You'll save yourself the time. You'll save yourself the energy. Um, and you also save yourself the heartbreak and trying to change yourself because there's nothing about you that has to change. Um, wow. So that's wow. when it comes to preferences. And even my preference for men ain't every man's business. You know, if you don't fall into what I prefer in a partner and to somebody who I am physically attracted to, it's nothing wrong with you. You just don't fall into my boxes. That's all. Um, and I think we put so much power and we put so much emphasis in like getting pissed when we're talking about somebody and their preference. Like, um, for an example, the men, the men who exclusively date white women, that's your preference. If, if you're a black man that likes white women, hey, that's all right. But in your liking and loving of white women, don't shit on me as a black woman. Right, right. That, that's when you get the argument. And so your preference of dating the Caucasian women, hey, it goes with you, bro. But don't shit on me because the second you start shitting on me, then I will go ahead and pick you apart and I will eat you for breakfast. <laughs> um, and it sounds it. it sounds petty, but sometimes I have the time. Yeah, I respect that. <laughs> I respect that. Um, what's interesting about it is it brought me to... Um, like another question, but ultimately a statement in itself as well. Um, it made me think about the the possibilities of the figurative real women being considered like ancestors in the era of the bad bitch, you know, like always being beneath or put behind the the exotic or basically what it amounts to is, you know, acting like you never had anything before. You know, um, it's not necessarily saying that one is lesser or greater. It's just the fact that you don't know how to conducively communicate that this is an experience that I desire that I have never experienced before. And this is where my heart or my interest is. You would just put this person down to make it seem as if it's a reason for this decision you made. So, like, is it a point in this where you realize even as a queen that my standards are just a little bit higher than what society has set for women? Or is it just still us as men just not knowing how to give women their proper spaces so that they can comfortably exist with each other? So one of the things that is that are trying to think the best way to put it. One of the things that pisses me off. Is when when people, and this is men, women, you know, dogs and different, when they start using the terms real women. Right, right. Versus anything else. Like, you know, all the memes will, will go out there and say, oh, you know, a real woman this, a real woman that, a real woman this. And and they always put the real women, they attach that to um, a traditional way of maybe your grandmother, your auntie, your mother, and they attach it like that. And, and it's basically saying that if you don't fall into these traditional categories, you're not a real woman. So that right there is one of those terms that just pissed me off. And it's almost like if I wasn't born with a penis, 
I'm a real woman because there are days that I am super woke, super conscious, all about my people, all about my women. And there are days that I am super ratchet, (laughs) um, (laughs) that I am drinking my liquor out of the bottle. No, um, (laughs) where I am, you know, drinking my honey, smoking my joint like um i it's the the whole dynamic and everything and i don't see me being either one as something that is not a real woman um i think what makes us real women is the fact that we are dynamic we are diverse we are um any and everything at the same time and anytime that you try to fit us in a box and in, in, in as, as a man, and as a, anytime you try to fit a woman, especially a black woman, in a box, that means you're trying to make us smaller to make us more comfortable for you. Yeah, yeah. And so you're limiting who we are. And anytime you limit who we are, that means that you're limiting who you can be. Because we're going to want you to be completely up there with us. And we're going to, you either going to fly with us. We're going to pull you with us or you're going to be left behind. And anytime you put us in a box, you're making sure that you're left behind. Wow. That was an interesting way of spending it. Wow. Okay. Uh, what does it mean to a woman when another woman says, I ain't like the mother hoes? That she ain't been a hoe yet. <laughs> 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 that she ain't had that experience yet. Um, <laughs> no, it's um, it means that honestly, if she says that I ain't like those other hoes, um, at one point and another, we are all somebody's other hoe. Um, they're all things that you would never admit that you've done out loud, but you did it. Uh, <laughs> and it, it means that you're, you're, you didn't forgive yourself for whatever that you did and you're not ready to forgive yourself yet. So you still have to look at it as a very negative part of your story that you didn't mm. just experience mm. and move through. And, and to your point, you know, once you forgive yourself and, and you say that you did it, like, yeah, I did it. And there's nothing that anybody can hold you over your head. Right, so right. when they say they ain't like them other holes, they, they even haven't had that good experience yet where you like them other holes making fucked up decisions and, or you still making fucked up decisions trying to figure out how to get out of it. But at the end of the day, make those fucked up decisions. Decide if you're going to live there or decide if you're going to use it as a lesson and carry on. Wow. You got all the perfect answers <laughs> to my questions. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll be 41 in three weeks. So wow. do you know how many fucked up decisions I've made in life? Um, there's some things I'm like, woof. Only me and God know about that one, but I, I forgave myself for it and I moved on. It's a lesson. It's something that made me exactly who I am today. Right. So interesting enough, um, why do you think that the age groups between like maybe 25 and let's even go as high as 50? It seems as if the women in that bracket I just gave all have the same relationship issues with men like why do you think that that is a thing considering the difference in age and maturity level like they're all experiencing the same things from men which to us as men wouldn't seem probable why do you think that is first um because this was this was a deep question um 
the first part I want to say is I think so many of us in in that age group, because it's quite a large age group where we should have learned a lot of lessons um, as as we've navigated through life. Um, I think it's because sometimes we're still wanting to be heard. Oh, OK. okay. Um, I think just just that first part of, of wanting to be heard. Um, I think the second part is we're still trying to figure out who we are. Right. And I know at 50 years old, you were like, oh, you should know who you are at 50 by now. But if you've never taken the time and stepped away from everything, stepped away from all the bullshit and like, okay, girl, let's, let's, let's do a self check. Let's, who am I? Like, it took therapy for me to ask myself that question. It took me hitting rock bottom. Um, rock bottom. And I was in my early thirties when I hit rock bottom and my rock bottom looked like, um, breaking and entering into my, um, boyfriend's house because mm. he didn't answer my phone call. Wow. Uh, <laughs> um, and it, it, that was my breaking and entering. I mean, that was my, 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 oh, that was terrible. Cause I went upstairs to his room and everything. He was just asleep. Um, <laughs> But but it was everything that led up to that point because I, I caught glimpses of myself in my whole crazy moment. And every time I caught glimpses of myself, I didn't recognize myself. Um, so if you've never hit that rock bottom and then once you got down there, decide that it was either time to make a change and take a step back from everything, everybody and figure out who you are, you're always going to have that relationship or that struggle with um, our male counterparts. It's just one of those things because you never took that time to find the peace in yourself yet. Um, once I found the peace in me and I stopped dealing with situations and everything from a hurt space, then... I started having different relationships with men. I started attracting different men. Um, but it, it took a while for me to do it. It took a, a couple of years of, it took one year of not dating at all. Mm. Um, I didn't date at all. Like I'll, the only thing I did was therapy. Um, I started writing. I started podcasting. I started, um, traveling more. And I started doing a lot of things by myself, not even with my girlfriends. Like I was just doing solo missions. Um, but I was figuring out who I was, figured out what I liked and what I didn't like. And then when I was ready to, you know, touch down in these mean dating streets, I had different experiences I was able to share with men. I was able to communicate with them differently because now I'm more secure and more at peace with who Erica is. Wow. So it's, that's, that's the part. Like if, if, you know, if we don't take that time to figure out who we are and the, to be vulnerable with ourselves, how we deal with men is always going to be the same. So when you look back over this process of actually learning self, is there a point in the learning experience where you realize that you can honestly compare yourself um, constructively to one of your women counterparts in a positive way to help level yourself up without necessarily putting too much pressure on you? As a woman who's trying to grow and who's trying to be uplifted, is there a positive um, affirmations or ways that you can contribute to the women who may just see a woman that has her thing together? Mm -hmm. And instead of looking down on it or trying to belittle it to make yourself feel better, actually use it as a instruction of a sense to you know grow in your own way, in your own direction. Oh, I have mentors. 
Um, I have women that are amazing to me. Um, like my, one of my old bosses, like she left the company years ago. Um, and she was a black woman who took the time, um, because she saw potential in me and she taught the time and taught me how to one, talk to people because she said, um, one of the things she always tell me, she's like, you always say the right stuff, but the tone that you use makes people feel uncomfortable. And I was like, I'm not here to make people feel comfortable. She's like, actually, you are. And I was like, is that what I'm getting paid for? She's like, yes, it is. I was like, oh. But she, it went as far as like her taking the time to be my mentor. She laid hands on me a couple times to 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 humble me a little bit. And uh, and it, it sounds weird, but one time she caught me doing something that was completely out of pocket. And she pulled me to the side. And when I tell you, she checked me into a wall. Mm. Um, and mm. she had her forearm against my throat. And then she's like, this is the last time I'm going to have this conversation with you. Um, and I know some people are like, oh, fuck that. I ain't letting nobody lay hands on me like that. But she did it from a place of love. And there's always a difference as far as when, when another person checks you. If they're doing it from a place of love or if they're just doing it from a place, period. Hers is from a place of love. My spirit felt her spirit. And it was a teaching moment right there. At that point, she became my mentor. And even to this day, I respect where she is professionally. And I reach out to her for different things professionally. Um, I reach out to her with questions like I, I admire this woman. You know, she has a happy uh, a happy marriage. She balances a family. She travels the world with her husband. Like, you know, I, I look up to that. And so when I'm stressed out or if I'm trying to figure out how I can balance it all, I'm like, hey, girl, do you got a couple minutes? And wow. she'll be like, give me 10 minutes so I can get this, you know, X, Y, Z done and I'll circle back to you. So even with me reaching out to her in my stressful moments, you know, I still take that time to make sure she's in the space to be able to hear me vent. <laughs> so it's still that respecting. So I don't want to say it's comparing um, to level up with her, but I think it's being open to learn. From okay. somebody who is where you want to be. Um, I think anytime you compare yourself, if you don't make it to the level that that person is, then you're going to be disappointed with yourself. But if you're just open to lessons and, and willing to hear somebody and willing to reach out and, and have that exchange, because it's probably something that you have that they need to in their world. So, you know, just be open. Man, you got all the answers. <laughs> you got all of them. It's the weed. It helps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I beg to differ. <laughs> okay. So um, I have two questions and I'm trying to figure out which one am I going to ask first because they're both on the same plane. I'm just going to go with this one. Okay. Um, no one is copied more or culturally appropriated more than a black woman. Right? Yes. Um. <laughs> How would you recommend for other cultures to show their appreciation to the content of your culture without adding insult to it? Stop renaming it your shit. Um, let's start with that. <laughs> like cornrows and stuff like don't don't rename our stuff. If you like it, hey, guess what? We like it too. Give us credit. You know, if you wearing cornrows or box braids, don't call them boxer braids. They're not called boxer braids or box braids. Um, if you like the the 
um, anything that we do, just give us credit for it. Don't try to make it yours. And then even when these magazines, um, come out to these influencers and they say, Oh, you know, I don't, I don't mention this group of this particular family. Cause I think they're the devil. Uh, <laughs> we, all but know. we all know who we I'm all talking know. about. <laughs> <laughs> like black men stay away from their boxes. Fuck around, go crazy and lose your career. <laughs> I got receipts for that. Everybody right. got receipts for it. But, you know, give us credit for it. You know where you got it from. You're like, oh, you know, one of my girlfriends, name your girlfriend. You know that girlfriend is a girl of color? Right, Name, right. name her. Oh, she always wore hair like this, so I loved it. You know, when it comes to the fullness of our lips, you out there, you know, talking about your lip gloss will go ahead and make your, uh, our lips look plumper. Just say I admired Naomi Campbell's lips and I, I wanted to create something that would give me that fullness because it's beautiful. Right. Give credit and everything. So that if you want to if you want to steal our stuff or or make it more popular, give credit credit from where it's due. Same way we got to write a paper at school, you got to give credit. Cite your sources. Absolutely, absolutely. So the last and final question of the actual topic. Mm-hmm. Is since we've given such a description of how men tend to um, marginalize women with their expectations, their interests, and those things that we've just discussed in this small portion of the show, what is the brown girl's experience with black men moving forward? So, anyone that knows me knows that I absolutely adore black men. I do. Um, I actually always grew up in a very positive, well, first of all, backstory on me, me and my sister are the only girls in our family. As far as like our, my, I have brother, I only have male cousins. I have a lot of uncles. So it's very few women or very few girls when we were growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, so my experience with black men has always been positive. Like my dad was married to my mom until he passed. Um, he was very present. In my life, um, I was a daddy's girl. Right, right. So I always had positive relationships with, with black men. Even in like, and I was a tomboy growing up. So all my friends were boys and they always took care of me. They, I was always little sis. I was always this. So I never had bad experiences with black men. And so I never was one of those people that could really talk down on you because I'm like, yeah, I dated some eight shit dudes, but that's meaning Tyrone from such and such is an eight shit dude. Not, not all black men in general. Wait, can I take that back? Cause Tyrone is somebody I dated, but he wasn't an eight shit dude. Like I was just picking that name out of anyway. Right. <laughs> all right. Salute to Tyrone. <laughs> yeah. Tyrone was a good dude. Good dude. But, um, but what I'm saying, like if, if I dated somebody who was just ain't shit, it was just on him. I didn't put that on everybody else. Um, so my experience with black men is, it is very different. Um, and I do understand that, uh, that, hey girls, I understand your frustration. I've been out in these streets for a long time. I'm not married, have never been married. So dating is tough. It's hard. And it's hard when people don't know how to communicate with each other. And then people don't know how to tell people the best way to communicate with them. So we all have, that's where our, the base of our foundation of our, our disconnect is. We don't know how to tell, Hey, this is how I prefer for you to talk to me. And how do you need me to communicate with you? We don't have those conversations. So 
until we do is we're going to continue having this kind of, we always going to have, uh, he versus, I mean, her versus him fights, battle the sexes, battle the sexes makes money. Battle of Sexes sells books. Battle of the Sexes, um, it keeps, it, it keeps the internet interesting. So it's not, it's not anything that's going to die, but in your own personal life, it can die. Mm. So the brown girl experience, um, I welcome the fellas. Um, but if you're a fella that's just ain't shit about you, you're not just, you're not going to be welcome into this experience. All that's right. All. all right. That was a hell of a way of ending that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I really appreciate you for um, sharing and parting in me like some some real keen wisdom on how to appreciate and address our women going forward, because I do realize that you guys really want to love and you really want to be a part of our experience as well. But we're not the most inviting when it comes to um women in general we we want to be particular about everything we don't want to understand you correctly we don't want to invest in you properly we don't want to spend the adequate amount of time with you there are so many misfortunes to how we treat our own and basically what this episode gave me was to allow you the space to be you instead of trying to change you to fit what i believe is my preference be a little bit more in tune with myself so that I'll know what to look for so that I won't waste as many women's time as I experience. There's so many things that I took from what you said, and hopefully the listeners will also take just as much as I did. So thank you again so much for doing this with me. You are the very first um, guest on teach me how to love you better. And you really set a marvelous tone. Thanks. Man, man, man. Like you literally I'm looking at my notes and pretty much everything that you started with just kind of pieced all of my notes together for me perfectly. So I'm really pleased with how this came out. So um just take some more time to um give a little bit more well no, because we did that. I want to talk to you about shit the brown girl says. That's another um facet of what you do like explain that because that's a little bit more aggressive than the brown girl experience so to say so what is that like the shit the brown girl says that is literally out of my mind and how i feel on different things um and it's to battle it's basically to fight the real woman thing you know, a lot of people, they see me and they're like, oh, she's so inspiring. She's so cute. She's so this. But I'm like, okay, I am that. But I'm also this too. Um, So this like the little brashness. It's like my diary. And so when I have the time, I, I turn my computer on, um, turn the mic on, and I'll just record an episode of whatever is on my mind at the time. And even as far as when it comes to social media, it is a lot of things that I, I post that people wouldn't expect from me. And it's like, you're putting me in a box. That's why you're not expecting that from me and everything. I'm very open when it comes to being um, sexual. I'm very open when it comes to my mental health and, and what I've been through. Um, I'm very open with therapy because I think it's so important 
for us to, to be open about therapy because suicide isn't something that white people do. Suicide is something that has been for black women, especially something that has been on the rise. Um, I'm somebody who attempted to commit suicide before and by the grace of God, still having something bigger for me planned. Um, I failed at it. Yeah. So oh, yeah. it wow. was one of those things where, you know, I talk about that. I talked about, you know, when you when your heart has been broken and torn up and shredded so many times, I talked about what it's like to be terrified of love. And these are things that people don't want to talk about because it's too vulnerable. It leaves them too open. But one of the things that I noticed for myself is the growth that I've had from doing shit the brown girl says, because now these are things that I used to carry on me that were heavy as a heavy weight. And I just shared them with people and as I was sharing them with me it was like a layer that I was pulling off and my emails I'm getting emotional but my emails um have been blowing up from women who say I've been going through this and I didn't even know that I was not alone or you know I had a child that is going through this and I didn't even know where to start um I just had a conversation with a young lady the other day she was like from our podcast alone um, when we did the episode, The Road to Motherhood, a friend of hers said that she went to her doctor and was asking about this vitamin that my doctor put me on um, that helped me ovulate. And now I'm, you know, now I don't have the, the same fertility issues. Now I just got to find somebody getting pregnant. But <laughs> neither it's here nor no, there. It's on the way. It's on yeah, the it's way. On the way. <laughs> it just got to happen within two years because I ain't going to be 50 and pregnant. But... <laughs> But she, but because of the information that I shared, she had a conversation with her doctor and she's pregnant. Her and her husband have been trying for 12 years. And because of just the drop of information that I shared on my platform, she had a different conversation with her doctor and it turned out to be the thing that she needed. Wow. So shit the brown girl says is, um, and to kind of back up my therapist, because I've been going to therapy for a, a while, she's very untraditional. And I think that's why I stuck with her for so long. Um, she was the one that encouraged me to do a journal. She's like, do a journal. I was like, I'm not going to write. I don't have the time. And then she's like, record it then. She cusses at me because I told her that's how we have to communicate. Um, she was <laughs> like, she's like, we'll record that shit then. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. That's how I started podcasting alone and then like I had a you know it was a group but then I was like I feel like I need to say something from just me and it was part of my therapy and I would give her like the recordings um and then she was like you're making progress because now you're very open with talking about things that are very taboo for black women to talk about um so it's it's incredible experience um and it's um led me to Something that I'm going to do as far as a, a next uh, opportunity, I'm, I'm going to have a platform called Trust Your Dopeness. Mm, and it is going that's to fire. be, a, yeah, and it's going to be a very untraditional um, workshop for black women to help them get comfortable telling their stories. So, yeah, that's something that I'm working on. And thanks to my therapist, she was like, shit, the brown girl says, she's like, it's, she's like, it is very in your face. It is. Yeah. It is definitely in your face, but that's my personality. But, you know, just being able to be vulnerable and not thinking about who's judging me for it is is amazing. So um, I'm going to continue to do it when I have something to say. 
awesome so yep wonderful wonderful you really 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 schooled me on a lot so um give them all of your social media so that they can follow you and your shows and all of the things that you're doing for women in general okay so i'm on all the social medias however i hate social media so i'm only active on one um (laughs) and i'm i'm active on instagram and on instagram i am the brown girl experience llc um, let me just double check because I could be lying to you guys. Um, I'm I'm like ninety percent sure that's what I am on there. Yeah, I think so too. Cause yep. I, okay, I is the it. is the underscore brown girl underscore experience LLC um, underscore LLC. So and on Facebook you can find it on the groups um, pages under the brown girl experience. And so I don't see Twitter. I mean, you can follow me on Twitter, but I can guarantee you I'm not on there. If you get a response, <laughs> let me know in an email because <laughs> somebody hacked my account. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I definitely appreciate all of this. I want you guys to um, follow her and get in tune with everything that she has going on because this was just a sample of what you can expect from her on her own platform. Um, one last question to end the show, because this question that I'm going to ask you is going to set up the next queen to um, develop a conversation when she has her opportunity. So this question is in one word, tell me what it is that women need now from men more than anything. One word, something that women need from men. More than anything. Mm-hmm. Listen. Listen. We need you to. Mm-hmm, we need you to listen. And that is the intent for teach me how to love you better. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the very first episode, hosted by Erica Butler, the Brown Girl of the Brown Girl Experience. I am BJ. No need to worry about my social media. Today's highlight was about Erica. So. Again, follow Erica at the Brown Girl Experience. This has been the first episode of Teach Me How to Love You Better. I'll see you guys in a few weeks. Peace and blessings.